Hi, we're going to get smarter in just a few minutes with some help from a special guest. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about the most annoying sounds ever, according to research, and why leaders who are too smart are actually less effective. You'll also learn about the biology of real-life zombification from Matt Simon, author of the new book, Plight of the Living Dead. Let's satisfy some curiosity on the award-winning Curiosity Daily. Researchers have identified some of the most and least annoying sounds ever. Hey, Ashley, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? No, I don't, Cody. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, don't worry. I'm not going to do that. Listen, nails on a chalkboard may be the most cliched of the horrid noises out there, but apparently it's not the most annoying. And neither is my voice. Good to know. In 2012, a group of neuroscientists from the UK and Germany tested which sounds upset the human brain the most. The researchers put 16 people in an MRI machine and monitored what happened in their brains while they heard each of 74 different sounds. Then they asked these unlucky participants to rate which of the noises they found most annoying. File this under studies I am really glad I didn't participate in. The most cringeworthy sounds, according to this research, do include nails on a chalkboard, but even more annoying than that, a ruler on a bottle, chalk on a chalkboard, a fork on a glass, and at most annoying, a knife on a bottle. This research is useful because it sheds new light on how two parts of the brain interact with each other, and it might help researchers look at treatments for emotional disorders like tinnitus and migraine, where there seems to be a heightened sense of the unpleasant aspects of these sounds. So in the brain, those annoying sounds didn't just trigger the auditory cortex, which processes sound, it also triggered the amygdala's activity, and it was directly proportional to how awful the sound was. This part of the brain deals with emotions, so it would make sense that more annoying sounds might activate this emotional zone. The annoying sounds were also all between 2,000 and 5,000 hertz, which is pretty high-pitched. The jury is out on why this happens, although one evolutionary theory is that higher pitches resemble alarming noises, like the squeal of a chimpanzee. But whatever the reason, it was worthwhile research with some interesting results. Have you ever had a boss that just didn't get it? Ever wished your boss was just, I don't know, smarter? Well, be careful what you wish for, because according to research, smarter doesn't necessarily mean better. Have you ever had a boss who's like too smart? I don't think I have. (laughs) Just going to say that right now. Well, a couple decades ago, psychologist Dean Simonton came up with a counterintuitive idea that smarter leaders are better, but only as long as they're not too smart. And in a recent study, he was able to test this idea. He and a pair of other researchers observed 379 leaders from 30 different countries in fields including retail, banking and technology. The participants all took IQ tests, and they were each rated on their effectiveness by eight of their team members. Now, IQ tests are not the most reliable metrics in the world, and how a person rates their boss is pretty subjective. So the data wasn't exactly airtight, but the results still showed a clear pattern. In general, the better the managers performed on their IQ tests, the more effective their employees ranked them. But there was a clear cutoff point. Managers with an IQ of 120 or higher saw a sharp drop-off in how they were seen by the people under them. There could be a few reasons for this. Maybe the plans that smarter leaders make are over their employees' heads. Maybe their strategies are so complicated that they're just too hard to put into action. Or maybe it just comes down to having a tough time relating to people. After all, it's hard to get inspired by somebody that you can't understand on a human level. 
Either way, the researchers say the takeaway shouldn't be that companies should stop promoting smarter people or hiring them as leaders. Instead, they should consider that the IQ ceiling might change depending on the field that they're working in. And even more importantly, they should think about how to overcome the barriers that come from that intelligence. If a super smart leader is having trouble bridging the gap, they might be able to handle the problem by relying on their charisma instead of their brains. Today's episode is sponsored by Pimsleur. Pimsleur is the conversational method for learning a new language. It was developed by Dr. Pimsleur, spelled P-I-M-S-L-E-U-R. And the Pimsleur method is scientifically proven to work for you. With Pimsleur, you learn by actually talking and training your ears to understand native speakers. It's perfect for turning your downtime into a new skill. In fact, 75% of Pimsleur customers learn a new language on the go. You can reach an intermediate level in just 30 days. I did this, Cody. I was playing a four-night-a-week show that involved a ton of driving. So every time I was driving to the show, I did these Pimsleur lessons. And by the end of it, I could walk by someone speaking Spanish and just know what they said. It wasn't like I had to think about it. It was amazing. Nice. It's no wonder the FBI, the State Department, Homeland Security, and many others have relied on Pimsleur to learn new languages quickly. Don't just take our word for it. Try the full course absolutely free for seven days. Risk-free. You've got nothing to lose but everything to gain. A new language, a new perspective, a better understanding of other cultures. You can sign up today at pimspeaks.com slash curiosity. That's P-I-M-S-P-E-A-K-S dot com slash curiosity. Halloween might be over, but zombies are always a hot topic in popular culture. Well, Ashley and I had a chance to talk to a science writer about zombies in the real world. Here's what he told us about the biology of zombies. We're talking to Matt Simon, author of Plight of the Living Dead. It's about zombieism, like real life zombieism. How is this a thing, Matt? It is very much, it sounds fantastical, but it's very much a thing. We are used to zombies in pop culture. So The Walking Dead, things like that, the generally bitey, aggressive human kind of stumbling around, uh, that is a zombie that we know. But it turns out that in the uh, natural world, there are many, many zombies that are far more creative uh, than what we see in popular culture. And this, this is consistent across worms and fungi and, uh, and wasps. All kinds of different organisms have, over evolutionary time, figured out how to zombify their hosts in ways that are far more dastardly than you see on TV or movies. A lot of times it's insects uh, that are doing it to other insects, um, but yes, they are walking and crawling among us. Uh, luckily, haven't really done much to the human brain, but that isn't to say that we are actually immune. So this hasn't happened in humans yet, or has it? Yeah, so, you know, the one that we don't often think about more than it just being a virus, the, the rabies virus is in fact a manipulative parasite. You see behavioral changes in the host. So this is a virus that evolved for, uh, for exploiting other mammals, things like possums and raccoons, those are the famous ones. Uh, but they, the virus can actually get inside our brains as well, and it actually causes the same kind of aggression and, uh, you know, the characteristic foaming at the mouth. Uh, so we share this mammalian biology. Our, our brains are, weirdly enough, largely the same as a raccoon's. So it happens to us, too. Um, you can actually find videos online of, of humans in the throes of uh, the rabies uh, virus. It's a really terrible thing to watch because you know that they're probably not going to survive. But one of the really interesting manipulations is that uh, because the virus manifests 
in the saliva. It's that famous foaming at the mouth. It manipulates its host to not only not want to drink water, but to actually be afraid of water. And you can see in videos online of nurses trying to give water to humans infected with rabies, and the humans will actually recoil at just the sight of water. And, uh, you know, back when this evolved in other mammals, that was a manipulation on the virus's part to keep the host from drinking water and washing the virus out of its mouth. It's incredibly precise, but also nuanced in its own way. And, and it's something that has evolved over millions upon millions of years to really ruin the day of the host. So the, you ask about the why. Why would this evolve in many different ways? And that's because you know, species to species, it's a really, really good strategy. Um, yet it's working on that pure biology. And scientists are just starting to understand not only why this would evolve, and it's different from species to species, but how these parasites are releasing chemicals and acting on brain structures to very finely tune their manipulations of their hosts. You can follow Matt Simon on Twitter at Mr. Matt Simon, and you can read his science articles in Wired Magazine. We're working on pulling more clips from our full interview, which will be available on our Patreon page soon. In the meantime, check out his book, Plight of the Living Dead. We'll post a link to buy it in the show notes of today's episode. Read about today's stories and more on Curiosity.com. Join us again tomorrow for the award-winning Curiosity Daily and learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.